0: Hello, everybody, and uh, welcome back to the uh, Mastering Risk Management podcast series. I'm Anthony Wilson, um, and today I have a very special guest with us, and that is uh, Eamon Cunningham. So before I uh, say hello to Eamon, I'll just read through um, his biography, and it's, it's quite an impressive one. So um, following a 30-year career with the S-Center Group and Westfield, Eamon retired as the Chief Risk Officer in 2016. And whilst at Westfield, Damon had a global responsibility for all aspects of risk, including the environmental, life safety, insurance and claims, business continuity planning and of course enterprise risk management. Um, He remains a founding member of the board of the Risk and Insurance Management Society Australasia Limited, which is actually where I first met Damon um, at uh, that formation. Um, He's a regular contributor to risk management publications and he's adjudicated many industry awards. Eamon is a graduate of the Australian Institute of Company Directors and a past Chairman of the Risk Management Committee of the Property Council of Australia. He led the team that won the Risk Manager slash Team of the Year at the ANZ-IIF Awards in 2010. In 2014, Eamon was inducted into the Business Insurance Risk Manager of the Year honour role and Eamon recently received Strategic Risks Lifetime Achiever Award at their Asia-Pacific Conference in Singapore. He's a regular contributor to risk and insurance magazines. He holds a Bachelor of Commerce degree from the University College in Galway, in Ireland, um, and he became a Chartered Accountant following training in Price Waterhouse. He's a Fellow of the Institute of Chartered Accountants in Ireland and an Associate of the Institute of Chartered Accountants in Australia. And today Eamon runs a boutique risk consulting practice called 15B. So, Eamon, welcome. Thank you very
1: much, Anthony. It's good to be here.
0: And I guess um, the first obvious question, 15b.
1: <laughs> well, um, my tax accountant asked me that, and he said, "How? What? What's their relevance to 15b?" And as it turns out, I, I met my my wife now of uh, some 38 years' of marriage. Yep at a bus stop and it was at the 15B bus ah, stop there so I've <laughs> called the uh, the risk management consultancy firm 15B. Fantastic all right well there we go that's the first uh, the first mystery
0: solved so uh, <laughs> thank you for that. Um, wow what a, what an impressive career Eamon you've you've been um, been there and done that with just about everything in risk management so you know you must be very proud of what you've done tell me firstly a little bit about how you got into risk I mean as I think I said in my last interview, not many people sort of plan to be a risk manager uh, early in the in the piece. How did you get into it?
1: Um, I got into risk because uh, I was uh, working with Price Waterhouse in Sydney. I had been seconded out from their Dublin office, but eventually my wife and I decided to, to, that we really wanted to stay in Australia, working with Price Waterhouse. And out of the blue, um, an approach was made. Uh, from Westfield to uh, have a chat, literally, and three months later, having met uh, their current chairman, Frank Lowy, whom I've known, Frank, for over 30 years, um, I joined the company in their internal internal audit function, yeah. spent uh, a couple of months there, then moved into their administration area. One of the responsibilities within the administration area was uh, procurement of insurance, buying insurance, there was no reference to risk management. There was no department called risk management yep. over the years, I started delving into uh, insurance and the need to buy insurance and felt there was a better way and As I say, um, I took Westfield and indeed Westfield took me on a journey yep. that lasted thirty years yep. and as risk management grew and uh, the practice of risk management grew within Westfield. I began to dispose of my other responsibilities, and even then I was, or at the time, I was also the financial controller of one of their domestic property REITs. But I had to um, leave leave that responsibility to others as my risk management responsibility grew, and as Westfield's expansion plans um, grew, particularly internationally, I started taking on risk management responsibility for... uh, for Westfield globally, and um, I assumed responsibility for risk management in the U.S., would you believe, three months before 9-11, wow. but that's another story. Right, and <laughs> <laughs> we,
0: will, we will cover that, I'm sure. But, um, so, so you got into it from a consulting background, um, like a lot of people, I think, they get into risk management, um, not real sure, maybe initially, what it what it entails, and to some degree built the, your own yes. function, effectively.
1: Correct. Yeah. Um, you, you have to build your own function. Um, it can be challenging. Uh, uh, entrepreneurial firms, which Westfield is a very entrepreneurial, very successful firm, um, they suffer fools lightly. You yeah. need to be credible. You need to have a, a good message. You do need to deliver your message with enthusiasm, yep. um, otherwise you will fail. And your message needs to be relevant to your audience. If it's not, again, you will, you will fail. Mm. And um, it, the one thing that uh, I was fortunate enough to have was enlightened people at the top of the organisation who gave me passionate support yep. for my endeavours because they saw what risk management can deliver to an organisation.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And you've you've managed in this role through that transition of risk being just insurance purchasing to now, you know, a proactive action that helps business to achieve objectives. was I mean, talk about that journey. Was that, you know... Well,
1: it started off basically just being the procurement department for insurance, mm -hmm. buying insurance. Yeah. And then you start looking into why are we buying insurance? What is the net risk? What are we doing in house to mitigate, control, or treat the risk? To use the current buzzwords, yes. You know, which are effectively free, yep. you know, as it were, uh, yep. mitigation techniques. And you felt that there wasn't enough focus on this, and you need to fundamentally change the mindset of from don't worry about it because we bought insurance to saying this is my risk. I own this risk, and this is everybody in the organisation saying yeah. this. Yeah. I need to treat it, and then at the end of the day, um, if it's a catastrophe, there's a risk management department who will buy, call it catastrophe cover, yeah. but from the day-to-day point of view, it's my risk, my responsibility to treat because it hits my bottom line.
0: Yeah, yeah.
1: So that change in the thinking... Which took uh, quite a bit of time is is fundamental to the success of any risk management department absolutely and and
0: I guess you would have seen the um, closer partnerships with insurers as, as people that you can work with, you can sell the risk to you can actually show them the proactive things that you're doing. To mitigate their exposure and therefore share in the gains, you know, make that a win-win proposition, rather than the old, you know, butt heads over the over the premium.
1: Absolutely. Like, fortunately, I worked with an organisation who valued implicitly relationships. Yes. And when you're in the real estate game, your horizon is always long term. It's not yep. short termism. And therefore, I was given the command to establish relationships with the carrier community, with using our broker, Marsh, to um, have relationships that endure through good times and bad. Yeah. And and if you look at it from a long-term perspective, yeah, I think you find that the enduring relationships are the ones that have a long-term focus and they will deliver the result at, at the end of the day for yep. the benefit of the organisation.
0: Absolutely. And and there's, there's sticky... Um times in all of that. It's not straightforward. I mean, um, Westfield had similar risks than I had in, in Woolworths with the public liability and people slipping over and tripping and those sort of things. And selling that risk to the insurance community is, is, was sometimes fairly challenging.
1: Yeah. And that's, that's one thing I'd like to I'd encourage this industry for anybody uh, up-and-coming uh, professional because if you have the enthusiasm and the passion and you have a good story to tell, To some extent, the risk manager's role is a storytelling role, all fact-based. and uh, If you can tell the story, what's happening and what you're doing to adjust the risk curve for the benefit of the organisation, you generally find, again, carriers, particularly carriers that you want to partner with that have a long-term focus, All years, as opposed to people who are just in it for this year only. Yeah, yeah, cheapest premium. Yes, yeah, 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 absolutely, I agree. And
0: um, I I guess the um, next question goes to what you found most challenging and then most rewarding on the on the contrary. But is is the challenging one? uh, You know, is that this this whole. 9 uh, 11 thing, was that, was that a particularly. Uh, maybe let's talk about that.
1: And yeah, well, I suppose 9 11 for me was absolutely um, a career defining event. Right. Um, as I mentioned earlier, Anthony, I'd been given responsibility for risk management in the US uh, in late June 2001 and um, had to pay brought them into the fold from, 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 from a global risk management point of view, even though I'd had many visits to the US prior to then working with my, my, my colleagues there. Um, I, I was fortunate in that um, when the deal to acquire the um, World Trade Center long-term lease from the Port Authority of New York and New Jersey was announced internally in uh, early July, um, I uh, started looking at that at the insurance policy that was going to be put in place by the operator of the Tower of Silverstein. They they, really? they 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 had primary responsibility to affect the insurance cover, and of course me, the good old risk manager in me said, um, I don't have enough uh, detail in in relation to this, and whilst I will rely on this, I I put in um, difference in conditions cover on the back of our own what I might call domestic program. Right. And um, that proved, proved to be a very, very useful decision uh, at, the, at, at the time when there were, um, let's say, queries about the efficacy of the, of the cover um, uh, following the the nine eleven attack. So the insurance uh, policy dimension was one thing. Uh, likewise, uh, even in 2001, Westfield already had established a crisis management uh, team approach as part of the overall business continuity program. And um, uh, on the day, I was—I uh, was certainly the uh, the deputy chairman of the Australian crisis management team—and yeah. um, um, I happened to be in New Zealand uh, around midnight. Uh, on what was then very early morning of September 12th still uh, 9-11 in the US yeah. when the uh, news came through and we uh, established our team I made contact and I tried to do as best I could from a hotel room yeah. in uh, in uh, Oakland uh, dealing with colleagues in um, the US Uh, dealing with colleagues uh, in Australia and then uh, dealing with colleagues in other countries and we had to prepare ourselves for what I might call a a new era. Yeah. We wanted to make sure that the the shopping public felt safe when they crossed the boundary line of our properties anywhere in the world. Yeah. So it was a big challenge for us and um, the the 9-11 certainly to some extent wrote uh, you need a new set of rules as it were. But the comfort factor we had, that we have a backbone of, of um, resilient business continuity procedures that we could rely on to adapt to the new changing circumstance.
0: Yeah.
1: In addition to me, it, it, it became a very personal thing because um, I actually visited the World Trade Centre site on um, August 13, uh, 2001. Right. I still have the pass I was issued on the day. Right. Um, uh, and I met... Um, our West Coast manager, who was of responsibility and based in uh, uh, the World Trade Center site, and he, with his heart visibly outward, was talking about the development we had planned uh, for the World Trade Center site. And we walked the site, yeah. And in the aftermath of nine eleven, we had a bunch of people in one of the offices there, and Bruce was the one person who we couldn't account for for. Three days, we had no Uh news of Bruce. Unfortunately, Bruce uh, was was, um, our sole fatality, but a very, very poignant moment for the organisation, but also for me personally, given that he took the time to walk me around uh, the the site. So you had that personal dimension uh, as well. And then, of course, uh, as with all things in America, when you have a major event, you have a legal process, and then you had the legal process... Yeah. And of course, it's surrounded in the, the, the whole insurance. And, the claims, and, yeah. and because I yeah. was involved and uh, was subject to um, a wide ranging um, um, investigation process in terms of um, um, responding to subpoenas to offer up my documents, etc., I was deposed a couple of times um, from both a property and a casualty perspective. And then it was um, witness number three in the property trial in New York um, a couple of years after nine eleven, wow. And that was uh, an interesting experience. My first time ever in a courtroom, and it wow. happened to be in a in court- courtroom in New York. Wow. So um, very much a career-defining event for Absolutely. me, 9-11.
0: Absolutely. Wow. Well, that's, uh, that's an incredible thing to deal with. Did you find that the organisation itself thought about things differently as a result of... was I mean, it's very much a property um, event um, and obviously lots of casualties, but did that change the way Westfield approached things?
1: I think it it certainly changed, uh, from uh, from a number of points of view, it changed things. One, um, even though Westfield was a very large global organisation at the Mm. time, um, it had a family feel to it, because obviously it was founded by Frank Lowy and John Saunders, but the Lowy family had a tremendous positive influence on on the organisation, and you felt... Um, very uh, part of a family but at the same time massive demands and a global reach and you had this beautiful interplay between the two and so when you had a tragedy like we lost an employee that was really profound for the organisation but in the back of our minds we were very conscious of the fact that the shopping public needed to feel safe, our primary product is to develop and build and lease and manage shopping malls mm. and if the shopping public don't feel comfortable they won't visit your property so yep. what we had to do was despite the drama and this new thing called terrorism we had to make sure that we did all that was necessary a lot of it in the background that wasn't visible to people yep. so as to ensure that the, the shopping public felt safe yep. uh, when they entered our malls Yeah. and uh, so yes we had to whilst we had uh, uh, a lot of security then resident call was pre the terrorism era. we yep. were always very careful about security. Uh, our effort just doubled and quadrupled as a result of as that a result
0: yeah okay no, thank you for sharing that um, uh, so on the other side of the coin what what did you find the most rewarding in the career today what's what's been the thing that really you know makes you jump out a bit of a day and say hey
1: right I'm going back to work again today um, I think it's just the, the challenge for any uh, good risk manager you will have your to do list Yes. and of course um, the most exciting days for me were the days that I didn't have any time to even deal with item number one on my to do yes. list because something came in overnight Yes. You know, for, for many many years um, I, I basically spoke to the US uh, every morning on my way into work uh, did my work involving Australia and New Zealand and spoke to the UK on my way home for work every day. So long right. days. Uh, r- really enjoyed it. And mm-hmm. and of course, being in the risk management business, um, things come out of the woodwork. Yeah. And you just have to deal with it. Yes. And, and I, had a, I had wonderful teams in all four countries. And in fact, when we moved into South America in, in five countries, so it yep. was... Uh, uh, it was it was great, but uh, yeah, you certainly had a very, very varied responsibility. Absolutely, absolutely. And I, and I think
0: it's one of the things that um, particularly young people probably don't understand about the profession, how dynamic it is, how exciting it is, how your whole plan day just goes out the window when that event comes up. And, and that's something um, I think maybe as a profession we could try and do and sell a bit more. It, it's, a, it's a very exciting thing to do. Um, yeah, it has its moments, but it's it's really good. So, some words to the young people contemplating a career in risk. What are, what are the the tips you give them, or what sort of advice? Yeah.
1: Um, I think that the I suppose the the top three tips, as it were, for me yeah. from uh, for those starting off in the profession is know your business or your organisation back to front. Yeah, this helps you both internally and externally. Um, you'll meet strong, challenging individuals you need to be able to show them and demonstrate to them that you give them the respect by making sure that you know exactly what's going on,
0: yeah.
1: what the various? how the various departments work towards a common goal and the vision and mission of the company, how the various departments interplay with each other. Very, very, very important. So unless you've done your homework and keep it up to date, then you will go nowhere. You, yeah. So you. You basically, um, you need to earn your stripes in the minds of your department heads, your fellow directors, etc. Yep. You don't. You can't command them day one. You have yep. to earn them. Yep. And therefore, you earn them with knowledge. You need to be passionate mm. about whatever, everything you do. Absolutely. Some people say that risk management is a very, very dry topic. And it is to some extent. Mm. But it's varied. It's up to you to be able to be passionate and show that you wear your heart in your sleeve and and, and you, you drive things forward yep. and ultimately you need to be able to uh, back yourself and your career and don't be afraid to speak out and this is really challenging for particularly junior or, or inexperienced risk managers, they see things going on and say mm, um, I'll bite my lip and say nothing yep. my response to that is you are doing yourself an injustice if you feel you're good and passionate in what you do, back yourself. Yep. Put your hand up and say, respectfully, my view is as follows. Yep. Uh, invariably, if you're right, you will. Uh, people above you will see you in a new light and suddenly other doors will open. Yep. So sometimes you see moments like this where there is a clear fork on the road, and some people will just dumb it down and go to the left and say nothing. And I'd say the right-hand track is an opportunity in the making. Yeah. Grasp it, Yes. be passionate, but be, be confident that you're right and then go for it. Yeah, yeah, that's good advice,
0: good advice. And I, I guess uh, young people particularly, but all of us, I suppose, at various stages of, of our risk management roles get challenged about... What's the value you bring? What are you bringing to the organisation? How does this risk thing help our business? And, you know, there can be, can be very passionate supporters yeah. and there can be very sceptical yeah. <laughs> managers out there as well. How, how do you sell the value of the risk management proposition?
1: Well, I think that you have to go back and make sure that you um, focus on yourself in the first instance. Yes, you have a message, but you're the person that communicates the message Uh, to the organisation and you're the person that inspires the team below you that that also interacts with with the thing so I always say look yourself in the mirror and take a hard look at yourself and make sure that you communicate in an appropriate fashion change your language uh, and uh, make sure that you adopt a more enlightened posture as regards risk management you need to deliberately change the mindset of those your audience from Risk management is the is the guy who says no, or the department that says no. So when you're discussing an opportunity, rather than instinctively or innately saying no, say out loud, "Why not? What can we do to give this a green light, yeah. rather than just emphasise and convert that amber light into yeah. a red light?"
0: Yeah.
1: And and I certainly noticed people would stand up and notice When you change your, your, your language yes. and suddenly you find that if you're dealing with people in organisations who are commercially driven, bottom line driven yep. and you adopt the posture of seeking out the reward and at the same time of controlling the risk, you're certainly on a different wavelength with them. And not only will you have a good hearing, you'll be invited back. Yes. You adopt the traditional approach and uh, emphasise the red light you won't get through that door a second time.
0: Yeah, and and that that's a part and parcel of uh, the risk culture itself in the organisation, isn't it? You you you're part um, ambassador for risk management as well. At the same time, you're trying to move yeah. the culture of the
1: organisation along with you. That that's right, and you'll obviously uh, invest time in getting support from the top of the organisation. Yeah. You know, um, you can only do so much, uh, but uh, you make yourself or get yourself into a position where you can interact with the people at senior or level of yep. the organisation and show them that you have, have a different perspective on risk. Yep. You need to be tenacious. What I've said won't be done in a millisecond, will take months, sometimes years. If at first they say no and you believe in your message, go back um, and, uh, and have a better argument next time around, do not take no for an answer yep. when you believe no is the wrong answer for the organisation. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely.
0: And, and Eamon, do you um, have a view about where risk sits in the structure? Do you think there should be, um, you know, a, a direct line to the CEO? or Where, where should the CRO or the, the head of risk or whatever the position's called Report to yeah.
1: I'm not um, hell bent on saying that the uh, C uh, the chief risk officer should have a hard line directly to a CEO or or the um, the board director that's the chair of the the risk management committee. It comes down to innately the the culture of the organization. Yeah. I was very fortunate that uh, I reported into the. Group Chief Risk Officer in Westfield. Yeah. But that was an individual who had a very open mind. Yeah. Um, he talked like a CEO and subsequently became the CEO of Centre yeah. Group. Yep. He talked like, he thought, and uh, he talked like a CEO, he thought like a CEO. Right. And I felt as if I was talking to the CEO, CEO. interacting with him and, during our regular meetings. So it comes down to the quality of the individual. Yeah. Um, And while I'd always reserved the right to talk to a CEO or the chairman, I invariably never had to invoke the right because um, I got fundamental support from from the the, the, the global um, chief financial officer at the time. Yeah. It's the quality of the relationship that's important, not yes. necessarily the title of the person at the yeah, other end of it. the relationship. Yeah, no, that's good. That's good. And and just a quick one on the
0: working relationship with the internal audit function. Yeah. That obviously is fairly important. Yeah. How,
1: how did that work uh, for you? I, for me, um, I know that there were always discussions about whether risk and audit should be one, and uh, and it works. Fundamentally, for me, I felt that it's far better to keep them separate. Yes. Why? because risk management is about um, delivering that uh, or being in the, I'll call it the proxy owner of the risk management system, which is fundamentally owned by each and every individual in the organisation. Proxy owner being command of education, training and development and make sure it's alive and well, but ultimately the practitioners are every employee. And you do that to try and fine-tune this risk-reward trade-off, which is necessary to be successful in business. I just felt that um, internal audit, which is basically the third line of the three-pillar defence model, um, for some people, for enlightened audience members, that if you combine the two and they look at you and you protest that you're the risk manager, they'll say, but you're also the internal audit guy and therefore am I going to have a full and frank and candid conversation with you? when there are a couple of things that I might say to you that will end up in a report. Yes. And a couple of subtle recommendations. Yeah. And I I had a very good interaction with with the internal audit function in in Westfield. Yeah. They saw the risk um, register we prepared from a global country and departmental perspective yep. and they frame them to work out their audit programs they work with us but uh, they they worked in a very uh, collaborative way yep. rather than a combative way yep. and I, th- I thought it worked best for the organization the organization saw risk management uh, as truly working for the benefit of the individual department and ultimately the organization uh, as a whole yes. other people differ now and some organisations, they bring it together for whatever reason. But for me, um, the way it was set up, uh, certainly within the Westfield Group, uh, worked. From my point of view, f- f- better for the organisation. Yeah, that's good. No, thank you for that. All right, well, you uh, I mentioned in
0: your biography early in the piece uh, you, you, you're you still a founding member of uh, RIMS, which is fantastic. Um, so you get a unique perspective in that role about the profession. And I, I guess... There's always challenges for every profession. What do you think
1: some of the challenges for for risk management are? I think the risk management challenges today are probably an exaggerated version of um, uh, what they've come to live with. And that is one of being seen as the guy who said no, as I said previously, uh, invariably not dealing with people or interacting with people in the organisation who are enlightened enough to see the upside potential. It's not helped and perhaps complicated at the moment by the fact that in Australia we're living in a low-growth environment. Yeah. Um, and the recent moves upward in the Aussie dollar aren't helping trade. Consumer confidence could, could be better. Yeah. And therefore, uh, trading conditions um, are lacklustre. Yeah. Uh, Chief financial officers looking at this landscape look to it and probably say there's a degree of cost compression required here and therefore overhead compression and sometimes the first target in overhead compression is risk management. Yes. So there is a challenge there and therefore it's up to risk managers to show that they're different. And that's why I, my sense is that I know it's a buzzword today with a and it's called GRC, Governance, Risk and Compliance, bringing them together. And to me that speaks danger sign or a red flag for risk managers because you're grouped with compliance and legal and you're not seen as the potential upside guy. You're just seen as um, basically actors in the downside risk scene only. And that's counter to my earlier words about a risk manager saying... I need to speak up and see and, and talk about the upside. So it's up to individual people and uh, within our organisations, and it's up to industry bodies like RIMs to call out and advocate for um, risk management to be seen as uh, an upside thing as well as downside mis risk mitigation. Yeah.
0: yeah, and there's still work to do in that space. Absolutely. Very much so.
1: Absolutely. Okay. Well, uh,
0: listen, I mean it's been a stellar career as I mentioned earlier. What's been the highlight if you've had to pull out something as a as a really, you know, really special experience.
1: What what was the highlight of the career? I think the, the the highlight of the career was probably to take something like um a sole procurement function for insurance in Westfield. Yep. And leave Westfield 30 years later being the the chief risk officer with risk now to some extent and there's still part of that journey to to work on being to some extent being front of mind, in the minds of people as they go about their daily lives. My boss at Westfield said I didn't own risk and sometimes people say well you're a risk manager and that's a misnomer you don't manage risk, you're there to be the custodian of the risk management system, every single person in the organization owns risk and if you can impact uh, risk thinking I call it the risk culture in the organization yep. in a profound way then you've done a job and I believe i'd like to think i've I brought the company on that risk culture journey uh, not there yet, but well advanced yeah. and uh, and it lives throughout the organization. everybody sees risk innately rather than having somebody lecturers from a pulpit somewhere about yes. what not to do yes
0: yeah now that 's fantastic that 's a great a great achievement well done so going forward you 've got your consulting business and and are you dabbling are you full time in this what are, what are you up to no, to I, the extent I, you can tell us
1: I, I, I just want I just want to keep um, uh, the brain cells alive yes. so um, I've, uh, I'm doing a little bit of uh, risk consulting I'm, I'm avoiding what I call risk consulting 101 where there are things of interest and there are interesting challenges getting involved there I love uh, engaging with people I've always been very passionate um, the underwriters that I used to interact with always said hey you tell the Westfield story you know, with, with pride and with yeah. passion and to me Uh, that's important so you need to engage and and, and be positive about it but uh, you have to keep active yeah and um so i love working with people i love and i'm mentoring a couple of individuals excellent and uh and i get a lot of joy out of that where people just want to grow their own careers and 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 it's wonderful for me to help in in a small way as part of that
0: fantastic fantastic well that's great um, and I will just mention your contact details now that we're talking about your future so that um, if anybody wants to get in touch. So um, Eamon's email is uh, eamon Cunningham, Eamon.Cunningham, so eamon Cunningham 5 at gmail.com um, and his mobile number is 0419 639 912. Now, I'll also post along with, the, uh, with this blog post uh, Eamon's LinkedIn address so you can get in contact with him through there. All right. Well, I mean, anything else that you wanted to talk through? It's been no, no, Fantastic
1: no, no, discussion. I, I think it, it's just. I would just end, Anthony, by saying to the risk managers out there, you have a, a wonderful industry in which you work, but ultimately it's up to you to make a success of it. You you need to earn that silver plate, okay? Mm. And do not be afraid to speak up when the need arises.
0: Absolutely, absolutely. Well, Eamon, it's been an absolute pleasure. Thank you for your time today. To our listeners, thank you for tuning in. Um, It was fantastic to have Eamon's company today. Um, We will continue with uh, more interviews as time goes on, so stay tuned to the uh, podcast channel. That's called Mastering Risk Management. Uh, I'm Anthony Wilson. Thanks for your time, and we'll talk next time. Hi everyone, Uh, just as a little postscript uh, to that interview with uh, Eamon Cunningham, I hope you really enjoyed uh, Eamon's feedback, he's got a wealth of experience in risk management. Um, I'd just like to encourage you to let me know if there are other people you'd like to hear on the podcast, Uh, I do um, try and keep a list of of people to interview and try and get those people on board and, and have a few lined up for the future, so if there are others you'd like to hear from, please let me know. Uh, my email address is W at au, or you can just call and have a chat. My mobile is 0404 829 040. Thanks for your support and for listening to the podcast and uh, hopefully we'll bring you some more uh, Chief Risk Officers uh, to listen to soon. Thanks again. Bye.